Hey Asbury Church, welcome to week three of Home Improvement. I hope you're all having a great week. I am all by myself this week, but that's okay because I wanted to switch things up a little bit this week. But before I do that, I want to make sure that you know that if you've missed the first two weeks of our Home Improvement series, you can go to our website, asburyag.com, and you can catch up on the first two weeks. They've been fantastic. And also, on Wednesday nights, continuing the conversation is a great time we have here at our Lansing campus at 6.30 p.m., just continuing the conversations about home improvement. The coffee is great, and the conversation is even better. So hope to see you Wednesday nights, 6.30 p.m. Lansing campus. So, as I said, I wanted to switch things up a little bit. I got a little home improvement inspiration this week, and so I got a little poetic. So first of all, we need to change the music. And now it's time for Home Improvement Haikus. The Room Improvement A home's most important place Please use it or lose Was that not impressive? If anybody here needs a haiku for special occasions, please know that Pastor Duane is here. He does birthdays, anniversaries, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, and all sorts of haikus. Well, hey, we're so glad to have you here this morning. If you want to take your Bibles and turn with me to the very first page of the Bible, that's where we are going to be. Uh, we're going to look this morning as we continue our series entitled Home Improvements. Now, uh, one of the theme verses for us is found in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 through 4, that says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established, and through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Everybody say beautiful. Ah, oh, how many love beautiful places? Okay, a few of us. How many of you love beautiful places? Okay, see, now we're getting better. Beautiful places. Well, this morning we're going to talk about beautiful places. And, and as we begin, I want you to think in your mind, what are some of the most beautiful places you have been? I want you to picture it in your mind. Okay? So real quickly for a few moments, call out what are some of the most beautiful places you have been? Eiffel Tower. The beach. Hold on, hold on. Let me get. So I got Eiffel Tower, which is in Paris, France. And what makes it beautiful? It looks amazing. And to be on it and to look out, I'm sure it's pretty stellar too. Awesome. I heard the beach. Any particular beach? What was we got? What was that? Anna Marie Island. A beautiful beach to watch the horizon, sunrise, sunset. Right. How many love the beach? A little sun and sand. All right, other beautiful places. Redfish Lake. Where's that at? In the Sawtooths in Idaho. What makes it so beautiful, Levita? 
Oh, peaks, mountain peaks, and water. And we're talking real mountains, not sort of like the New York mountains. Like really high mountains. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't mean to be dismissive of New York mountains, but they're beautiful in their own way, but there's like mountains, right? So anyone else? I heard a couple, we'll do a couple more. Beautiful places. The falls, Niagara Falls. Just any falls. In Guyana, hold on. In Guyana, the falls in Guyana. And they're beautiful. Okay. Call us one drop fall. Wow. How many love waterfalls? Just, oh, we live in a gorgeous area for all of that. Yes. I was just going to say our state parks in Tagana. Our state parks in Tagana. Yeah, we have so much beauty around it. How many, when you go to those beautiful places, it's not just about what you see, but what it is they cause you to feel? Like you're in these, you're in these places and, and you see them and, and, and it sometimes like overwhelms the senses or it impacts the sentence, senses. And so you can sometimes feel a sense of awe and wonder. You maybe you've seen it in a sunset. Maybe you've been in the mountains or, or you've been, you know, at the beach. Um, I, I, I know it's, it's not just outdoor scenery, but sometimes you can be in like cathedrals or in different places, like the beauty is just not just something that's seen, it's something that you feel and experience. And not only is it a sense of awe and wonder, sometimes you can even feel that sense of peace. Like as if, wow, this is, there is something amazing about this place. Well, as we talk about home improvement, I want you to consider the importance of beauty in relation to the home. And so as we talk about, today we're going to talk about beautiful places, and I'm going to share some ideas that are going to seem a little self-evident, and maybe for some it'll kind of like rub, may rub you the wrong way, and I'm not trying to rub anybody the wrong way, but I want you to think about the connection between, um, or I want you to think about beauty in regards to home improvement. And the big idea we're going to think around this morning is simply this, beautiful places encourage human flourishing. Now, I keep coming back to this idea of flourishing because it's not just about creating, you know, like the greenery and the, the leaves, but, but really to be fruitful. And, and I'm convinced that God wants us to experience the fullness of life, that God wants us to experience flourishing. And, and the Bible is filled with all these ideas and, and really it provides wisdom. And wisdom is really the pathway by which you and I can experience flourishing. Even Jesus, when he came, he said, um, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, life to the full. And so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1 and, and a little bit from Genesis chapter 2 this morning as we talk about, about this idea of beautiful places. Now, as you know, it's the first page of the Bible, so it, it's the beginning, and, and it's a book that gets its start with God. And as we look at this, the passages this morning, we're going to note three ideas about beauty and flourishing. And so we're going to begin in verse 1, 1, 1, Genesis 1, 1. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, I love this passage. I love Genesis. I love the Bible. There's so many amazing ideas. And I want to think about a quick idea from these first couple verses. You know, it starts out with this big idea that God has created the heavens and the earth. 
That, that, you know, at the center of the story, ultimately, it's not you or me, but the center of the story is God who created all of this with purpose and meaning. Well, as we begin verse 2, it begins to highlight what, what some of the, the, a description of the state of the earth before God acts upon it, and it, and it highlights uh, three different things. It says that it was formless and empty. Everybody say formless, formless. and empty. Say empty. And then it says this, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now, I, I think this is really interesting because it talks about something that is formless and empty. In a sense, it's an unexpressed potential. It, 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 was, it, it was like a lump of clay. How many of you have seen like a lump of clay that, that has all this potential in it, but it needs to be formed? And for, if, you're, if you're one who is thirsty, you could take that clay and, and, and you can form it and maybe make a cup. And, and in making a cup, you, you create the conditions by which it can be filled with water. And that water then can bring about refreshing. And so as we look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the world was formless and it was empty. But not only was it formless and empty, it says that darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now, the, the word deep there is kind of an interesting word because it's used to describe a watery abyss. It, it's a watery abyss that, that, that creates something that is both uncertain and unsettling. Now, I know when we talked about beautiful places, some of you mentioned like the beach. How many of you think the beach is pretty amazing? Like when the water's there coming in nice and gently, it's all calm. Have you been at the beach when there's like a storm brewing and coming in? And, and you hear the noise and the thundering, and you're like going, oh my goodness, I wouldn't want to be out on that. How many know that, the, the, that when you're out in those kind of storms, it's just like, it's not just up and down, but, but there's this sense of, oh my goodness, this thing can ruin us all. And, and, and for just so you know, that, that in, in this Jewish idea of the abyss or the, these, these waters, uh, the, these deep waters, there's this sense of, of something that is, that, that is unsettling. Um, if, if you read, uh, you know, Revelation at the end, it's kind of interesting that um, out of the sea comes the beast. Out of the sea comes the dangers. That the, that the sea represented something that, that you couldn't tame and that if you're not careful, something could come out of it that could destroy everything. And so we have this picture of a formless, empty Something that is both dark and deep, uncertain and unsettling. Now, as we think about this idea of home improvement, so these, this kind of word picture that's working all together in this, this passage is kind of presenting the idea of something that's, in a sense, chaotic. Something that, that, that's kind of, um, it, it, it's, it, it's formless, it's, it's, it's empty, there, there's a potential there, yet... Yet, yet what is it going to be because there, there's an uncertainty to it. There's an unsettledness about it. There's something chaotic. You know, when I think about the home, how many know that home sometimes can be a little bit chaotic? Can I get a witness? Uh, okay, I got one. I got one, too. I got one real boo -hoo. Homes can be incredibly chaotic. Like, uncertain so sometimes you, you can go, like your, your home, you're like, okay, what, what's, what's going to happen today? What's going to come out? And, and sometimes the home can be kind of in a, in a state of, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? And there's this uncertainty. 
Yet in the midst of the uncertainty that we wrestle with in our homes, and and not only that, the unexpressed potential, there's often something within us that longs for something greater. And and this brings me to the the next part in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 2, that I just think is so amazing, that even though there was this formless and empty state, and, and, and there was this watery deep, or this darkness and deep working together, that over all of that... The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That the Spirit of God was ready to both move and to act. And, and, and so for me, like as we start talking about home improvement, I think this is an idea that if we can get this deep in our hearts, it is going to bring us so much peace even in the midst of all the chaos that we can go through in the midst of family. And that is this, that the Spirit of God is hovering over the chaos to create something beautiful. That in your life and mine, in the homes that we are a part of, even though it may seem chaotic and even though we may be uncertain about things, the truth is is that the Spirit of God hovers over the chaos to create something beautiful. He's waiting to move and to work. Even over the areas of our concern, the Spirit hovers, ready to bring about the creative purposes of God. To both form and to fill so that his creation may flourish. Now when we read through Genesis chapter 1, it's amazing that as God begins to act upon this formlessness and this emptiness, he, he begins to do this amazing stuff. It, 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 it says that, that well, let me, exp- let me, when he gets through all of it, he'll say this. God looked at it and said, it is good. Out of the chaos, he brings something that is Good. And the word that's used there for good isn't just limited to like good as in good and bad. Good can also be understood as beautiful. And this idea is also carried forward even into the New Testament. How many of you are familiar of John chapter, I think it's what, John 15, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd? The good of the shepherd there isn't just about a moral quality of good versus bad, though he is good. But it also carries the notion of something that is beautiful. That God's activity toward us, there's a goodness, there's a beauty that when God acts on our behalf, there's something that He begins to release even out of the chaos of our lives and our homes. And that is beauty. Now this is amazing because I know all of us here at times, we wrestle with chaos in our homes. Yet God is ready to work and move. To make something beautiful. You see, I'm convinced that every home has hope. Because the Holy Spirit abides and hovers. Ready to do a work of transformation. To bring beauty and good even out of the chaos. I want you to know that if you're in the place where you're like, well, you know what, I I just, I long for something better in my home. I want you to know you have a willing partner in the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit of God wants to begin to work not only just in you, but with you to help bring beauty out of the spaces we live in. And not only is he a willing partner, but he is an empowering agent that, that he gives us the strength in order to do amazing things. So the Spirit of God is hovering over the chaos. I want you to understand this this morning. No matter where you're at, what your family situation or your home life looks like, the Spirit of God is hovering over the chaos and He is is waiting to create something beautiful. 
The second thing I want to note is this, is that order helps create the optimal conditions for flourishing. Okay, now this is where it's going to go, oh, some of you aren't going to like this part. Order, everybody say order. Oh, it helps create the optimal conditions for flourishing. Now, Genesis 1-3 says this, and God said, and so the Spirit of God's hovering, and then God begins to speak into the chaos, and He says this, let there be light, and there was light. That God began to speak. Now, we don't have time to go through all six days, but let me kind of give you the inside scoop of kind of what's going on. The world is formless and empty. The, the earth is formless and empty, and so God acts upon it. And you know what He does? He begins first to begin to bring some order. He begins to form, and then he begins to fill. So if you read through the, the book, you'll, I mean the chapter, you'll find out that on days one, two, and three, there's something that God is forming in order that he might begin to fill it, which we see in, verses, in, in uh, days four, five, and six. So days one, two, three, there's something being formed. In four, five, six, there's something being filled. So on day one, he creates light. When you go to day four, he begins to fill um, he begins to fill the, the skies with the sun, moon, and stars. On day two, he separates the waters and he creates this thing called the expanse or the heavens. And then on day five, he fills it with birds and he fills the water with fishes and, and sea creatures. And then on day three, he forms land. And on day six, he fills it with land creatures and people. So it's kind of neat that, that what he does is he acts upon the chaos to form and fill. And he does it so that humanity may flourish. Now, how does he do it? He begins the process with the word. And the thing that we have to understand is that God's word is an organizing or an ordering element. It assembles and it organizes. It puts things together. God's word for our lives is to provide a sense of ordering about how we go through life. So the word of God orders. And, and, and so, so an example of this is actually found in Ezekiel chapter 37 with the valley of the dry bones. How many remember the, the prophet Ezekiel and he's got this vision of a valley of dry bones. And, and, and if you remember it, he's looking over the valley and there are dry dead bones all over the place. And God asks a question of Ezekiel. He asks him this question, can these bones live? How many remember this? And Ezekiel's like, God, uh, only you know. Like, I don't know, God, you're the one who knows. And God goes, okay, Ezekiel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to begin to prophesy over the bones. Begin to prophesy, and to prophesy means to speak God's word over them. Let, let the word of God begin to be spoken over all of this. And as he speaks, as he prophesies God's word over the bones, something amazing begins to happen. There starts to rattle, and there's some movement, and all of a sudden bones start coming together, and, and, and all of a sudden there's bone, and then all of a sudden there's sinew, and then there's all of a sudden you know tendons and flesh and muscle and all these things, not in that order. But they all come together, and all of a sudden there's all these beings, and then God asks Ezekiel, or he tells Ezekiel what to do next. He says, now what I want you to do is I want you to prophesy to the wind. And the wind in Hebrew means not only just wind, but it also means breath, and it also means spirit. 
And so he says, I want you to prophesy, in a sense, to the Spirit. And, and all of a sudden, there was a great wind, and all of a sudden, all these bones that had once been scattered, that had been assembled by God's Word, are all of a sudden made alive through the Spirit. Now, I think this is a beautiful idea of what God wants to do. What God's Word will do in your life and mine is it will begin to assemble things and put them in order, and then the Spirit of God begins to blow upon it, and all of a sudden there's life and vibrancy there. You see, as we look at our own lives and our homes, that you know what, even over all the chaos, the Spirit of God is like, listen, I'm ready to do something. I want to do something, and then what we need to allow is we need, the, we need to allow the Word of God to begin to direct and organize our lives, because in organizing our lives, the Spirit of God can breathe upon it, and all of a sudden something comes to life. You see, order helps create the optimal conditions for flourishing. And what happens is the Word of God seeks, uh, forms and, and, and begins to set an order. And I think there's three areas that, that we need to allow the Word of God to begin to speak to our life. We need to allow the Word of God to begin to order our spaces. We need the Word of God to order our time. And we need the Word of God to order our resources. You see, as followers of Jesus... We need to allow the Word of God to, to, to be the pattern by which we live. Now, if we had time, we could go through a whole bunch in Genesis chapter 3, but for those who are familiar with the book, you know, Genesis chapter 3 is when humanity sins against God. And what you'll find in that whole story is this, is that the temptation of the serpent was this, that God's Word was ultimately not for humanity's good, that God was trying to keep, that the reason God was giving these commands to Adam and Eve is because God wanted to withhold good from them. And so they began to believe that the Word of God was something that would withhold good rather than enable good. And as a result, sin came into the world. I think that as we think about our homes and home improvements, Part of this idea is to understand the Spirit of God is hovering because He wants to bring life. He wants to create something. But not only that, there's an ordering that needs to take place as we need to get our lives ordered from the foundation of God's Word. And this requires discipline. How many of you love discipline? Okay, two of us. Okay, I, I want you to know I don't even like discipline. Like, it's like, oh, really? Isn't it just better just to relax and just take it easy? But no, it's like there, there's an aspect of, of, of we have to discipline our lives. What is a disciple? It's a disciplined follower of Jesus. It's one who has listened to the Word of God and they begin to organize their lives around the teachings of Jesus. And it's in so doing that we experience a greater fullness and flourishing for life. So as we look at this account, not only do we see that the Spirit of God is hovering over the chaos to bring something, to create something beautiful, but this idea that order helps create the optimal conditions for flourishing. Well, the last thing I want to note, and then we'll get into some real fun application pieces, is this, is that beauty helps bring out our best. Beauty helps bring out our best. If you turn over to Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, it says this, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed, and the, more, the, Lord, uh, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. 
In the middle of the garden, there were, there were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a, and a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And from there, it was separated into four headwaters. And the name of the first is the Pishon, which leads through the entire land of Havilah. And there, where there is gold, the gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. And the name of the second river is the Gihon. It, it winds through the entire land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris. And it runs around the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now, when you imagine the Garden of Eden, how many of you imagine a beautiful place? Did you know what Eden means? It means delight. It's a garden of delight. It's, a, it, it's um, the, the word that's used for garden is kind of like the idea of, of like a walled garden, not necessarily the gardens that we're planting at this time of year, but, but a garden that would have like trees and, and it, would be, it would be like well manicured and it would be this, this beautiful place of, of rest and relaxation. And so God made a beautiful place and he put his, creator, his creation, his, his, he put humanity inside the garden. Why did he do it? Because God knew that in that beautiful place, humanity would flourish. They would flourish physically. They would flourish spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and relationally. That this beautiful place would, in a sense, be a haven from which they could live the fullest life for which they were created. You see, I think there's actually a part of you and me that long for Eden. A place of delight, a place of refreshing, a place of reprieve. I want you to consider again, as I started the message, I asked you to consider beautiful places and how they make you feel. And you guys, you guys, you guys have some amazing places that I would love to visit, right? I want you to imagine another place now. Maybe it's on the way to one of these beautiful places. And you're driving. And you're out in the middle of nowhere. And then someone in the car says, I've got to go to the bathroom. And you're like going, okay, we'll take the first exit. And you get off at the first exit, and there's only one gas station. And you go to that gas station, and you have to go up and say, I need to go to the bathroom. And they give you a small key and something big that's attached to it so you don't run away with the key. And then you go into the bathroom. And the bathroom is not well kept at all. The floor is damper than it really should be. There are certain smells. It's like this thing has been like, you know, forgotten. As you step into that place, what do you say to yourself? How do you feel? I think we're going to the next exit. I think I can hold it just a little bit longer. But, but you know what I'm talking about? Like you step into that space and all of a sudden something within you is like going, yeah, nope. Not going to be here. So, some of you ha have had this happen when you've done like hotels. Like, there are times that we're driving, like, as we drive and drive and drive, and we drive until we're tired, and then Rachel's like, Dave, I'm so tired, just go find a hotel, any hotel, just, I need to get out of the car, go find something, so I drive, drive, and I'm like, oh, off the side of the road, there's a hotel, and I'm like, are you sure, honey, honey, just whatever you want, if it's good enough for you, it'll be fine. 
Okay, that, how many know that's a terrible standard? <laughs> terrible standard, right? And I'm like, okay, and I'm like going, so I go and I'm like, okay, here's the room. And then I get the key and I walk out to Rachel. I'm like, here's the room. We open the door. She goes, nope, we're leaving. And I'm like, okay. And I go back and I say, yeah, we're not going to be staying here tonight, you know? Be, be, because the place affects us. Y'all with me on this one? I want you to know the home that you are living in is affecting you. And the question is, is does it reflect Eden or does it reflect something that maybe doesn't bring out your best? Because I think this is so important because when we talk about home improvement, I want you to understand we actually flourish where there's beauty. And the home is the place, I believe, that, that is to be a, a respite, a reprieve from the midst of all the junk that goes on. How many know there's a lot of junk that goes on in our world and in our interactions, you know, and you're like, it's like weary and draining. And we're like, I just need an Eden. I need a reprieve. And I believe that that's what God has called us to have as homes. Beautiful places. We're all familiar with the entrance of sin into humanity. That as you continue to read the story, as sin enters humanity, this, this perfect world, as humanity got sent out, they had to deal with pain and thistles and thorns and fragmentation and decay. Yet God was not content for His, cre His creation to live in that state. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came because He came to change not just the inside of us, but to change every space that we're a part of. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't just change us, but it changes our interaction with the world that we are in. It's the gospel that enables improvement. And I believe that we are called to live in, in anticipation of God making everything right again. See, I'm convinced that beauty brings out our best. And so as we talk about home improvement, I just want to remind you that beautiful places encourage human flourishing. And I'm convinced that one of the ways that we do it, like we, we talked a couple weeks ago about covenants and the need to make a covenant with God and with others where there's a commitment that grounds our relationship. Last week we talked about having love in the home, which is so very important. But I also think that we need to be intentional about the homes that we live in. Now I understand the moment I start talking about homes and we're just talking about, boy, you know, we, we need to create beautiful places in our home that, that you know what, we, we wrestle with being overwhelmed in our busyness and our tiredness. And we're like, how can we do any of that? Well, I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit hovers over the chaos to create something beautiful that we have a willing partner through the God who created us, who not only wants to, to, to do something beautiful and good, but He wants to empower us to live in it. So, so how do we begin to, to create beautiful places? 
to create beauty in our home. I want to note some things really quickly. The first is, is we need to invite the Holy Spirit to transform our homes. We need to be a people that say, Lord, I recognize that, Lord, it is your spirit that hovers over my home, longing to create something good. I invite you to come. I invite your presence in this place. I invite you to empower me. God, give me wisdom. Give me favor. Give me strength. We need to invite the Holy Spirit into our spaces to begin to transform them. You see, it's His presence in us that enables us to, to transform our places for God's glory and our good. Secondly, I think in, in doing this, because again, I know sometimes people are absolutely overwhelmed. You, you don't know all the stuff that's going on in my home, and, and sometimes it seems absolutely overwhelming. I would just simply say, pick a room to order. Pick a room. What is one room in your house that you can begin to work on in order that flourishing might take place? Sometimes with the enormity of any task, we're not always sure where to start, and so we never start. Have you ever been in those moments, you're so overwhelmed, you're like, I don't know where to start, so you just don't start. And so many things. I would say pick a room. And pick a room where you can family. Pick a room where, where, where you can connect. I, so it was always fun when we had kids. So, so many of you know uh, Rachel. She loves, she, she, she's so good at this. And just by the way, we're going to continue the conversation on Wednesday night, and Rachel's going to be sharing with us about different ways we can work through some of these things. She's just amazing. Um, but I remember I'd come home from work, and she'd, she'd, the, the bug would hit her to like rearrange a house or a room. And in rearranging a house or a room, it was, it was great because not only did she like move it all around, but then she would end up cleaning it and all that fun stuff. And you know where the kids always ended up playing? In the clean room. Why? Why did they gravitate to the clean space? Because there was a part that they, that was where they flourish. And then they would wreck it. I'm just kidding. No, they would, right? But, but there's something about how we're actually drawn to beautiful spaces. And if we can just begin to pick one, and, and, and this is instead of trying to change everything at once, just pick a room, a room where you family, a room where you can connect, a room where you can share, a, a room where, where you do life together. We'll, we'll talk in the coming weeks about the importance, I think, of having meals together. And it may be the dining room or the kitchen that, that you keep clean because in this place, we can connect here in this space. And then as you gain mastery of that room, you begin to expand to the next room. And maybe to the next floor or to that floor. Maybe to the house, maybe to the yard. But I'm convinced that God wants, to have, wants our homes to be beautiful places from which we can flourish one of the things I find very ironic is so many people want to do things that will change the world, but they can't manage their own room. And, and part of it is saying, Holy Spirit, I need your help to begin to begin here. The third thing that I think we do in order to create beautiful places is to remember that doing something, uh, is to remember to do something rather than nothing. This is a big idea. I remind my children. 
Some is better than none, right? And part of life, to begin to, to, to gain traction, to create beautiful places, it's about small disciplines lived out through time that make a big difference. I want you to know, I'm ruined by my mother. My mother was so good, she wrecked me. I still hear her. How many of you, you still hear your mom every once in a while? Okay, so, so, so for me, I remember as a kid, we'd be walking. We'd be anywhere, we'd be walking, and there would be a piece of trash on the ground. And you know what my mom would say to me? Dave, pick it up. And I always said, but I didn't put it there. Can I get a witness on this one? Okay, I didn't do that. And my mom would say, Dave, it doesn't matter. Pick it up. Because how many know if you don't pick up that piece of trash, that piece of trash will never get picked up, and then there'll be just a little bit more trash, and a little bit more trash. And part of this whole idea is learning to pick it up. Have you ever noticed that as humans, we can find it very easy just to let things get dropped, laid down, set aside. Whether it's trash, whether it's clothes, how many of you find errant socks all over the house? Okay. Y'all with me on this one? Pick it up, right? You know, I tell you, how many of you got Nerf darts in your house? Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. They're all over, right? And how many know that kids are oblivious to it? Okay, so this leads me to number four. Okay, ready for this? This is so good. Parents, you're going to love me on this one. Kids, you're going to hate me. That's okay. <laughs> Beautiful places require working together. Okay, so I have a parenting idea that helped us as we parented, parented, parented our children. And, and parents, you are feel, uh, feel free to adopt this idea, steal it. If you want to say, this is my idea, it, it's fine. This is what we taught. This is the way we functioned in our house. Ready? If you can walk, you can work. Can I get a witness on this one? If you can walk, you can work. How many know this applies to husbands? How many know this applies to wives? I know some wives. Applies to kids. If you can walk, you can work. You know what's interesting? When God created humanity and put them in the garden, you know what he put them in the garden to do? To work. Some people have this crazy idea that when everything is good and right, there is no work. I know that God created humanity, made this beautiful garden, and said, hey, I got this place where you can flourish. And part of your flourishing is found through your working. And it requires work. And, and this is the thing, because I think beautiful spaces require work. And we have to do it together. This is our home. We all have a responsibility toward its care. And you know what? You actually have to teach this to kids and to adults. 
Just so you know, so this past week I was at a conference and I was in this totally different church. And I was just walking through and there was junk on the ground in the church. Just a small piece of paper. And I heard my mom, Dave, pick it up. And you know what I did? Walked right past it. I picked it up. See, I, see, I think that, that we have to be intentional about our spaces to make them beautiful. And we have, to, we have to begin somewhere. That This is why I say, hey, you know what? Holy Spirit wants to help us. Pick a room. Not only pick a room, um, but also do something. Even something as small as picking it up. And, and not only that, making sure that you're doing it together. And, and maybe you're like, oh, you know what? I, I'm a little overwhelmed. You know what's amazing? You can not only enlist your own children. There's a way to actually connect with the family of God. Did you know in the family of God, there are people who are actually really good at some of this stuff? And part of the way that they love to serve is by helping. Sometimes our pride is so high that we're like, oh, you know what? I'm embarrassed by what I live in. I, so as a church, I want you to know, we, we, we've gone in, we've helped people move, we've helped people clean, and I am amazed sometimes at what we find in this process. Because people were unwilling to say, hey, could you just help? See, I'm convinced the body of Christ together, we, we get to create beautiful places. That part of the gift that God has given us is not only just our, our families, but He's given us the family. The last thing that I would note about beautiful places is actually enjoy the space. The Garden of Eden was meant to be enjoyed. It was meant to be lived in. You've all seen, I'm sure, maybe you know someone who kept the plastic on the couch for decades. Or, or maybe there was that room in your house when you grew up that, you know what, you don't go into that room at all. That's the special room. That's the parlor. I'm going to stop. I got all these things going through my mind. But I want you to know that the reason, the, the reason we create beautiful spaces is so that we can actually enjoy them. It, it's, it, I, I don't think it's ever about just having a, you know, we, we need this beautiful home in order that nothing gets done in it. The home, the beautiful home, I think, is meant for living in. It, it, it's, it's that place where we can relax, where we can connect, where we can know peace. Beautiful places encourage human flourishing. And, and I think, you know, like how simple is it that, you know, hey, how do you begin to improve your home? begin to clean it. it. It sounds so simple. Yet I really think there's this theological idea that's right in there in all of this. Again, the Spirit of God hovers over the chaos waiting to create something beautiful and good. That you know what, what we have is we have the responsibility to begin to order the spaces that we're a part of in order that flourishing may take place. Because when we create beautiful spaces, it helps bring out our best. And, 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 and I think that, you know, as, as we continue to say, God, would, would you just bless our homes? 
to begin to act in such a way so that we might experience and know that blessing. Even in the things that sometimes seem a little menial or may even seem small. But beautiful places encourage human flourishing. And so as we get ready to close, I want to invite Pastor Dwayne to come up in the worship team. I just want to challenge you. Above all, just simply to invite the Holy Spirit into the chaos of our homes to bring beauty and life. It, it, it may be that you're like going, you know what, the, the chaos is actually relationally. And, and, and I understand that, and that, that's a whole lot of chaos there. But sometimes just beginning to work in one place and you begin to find some peace there that all of a sudden, wow, and you'll find out because our lives are interconnected. As we begin to manage some areas, it's amazing how it begins to affect other areas. And for us to say, God, would you just help beauty to be manifest? And, and you know what's so fun about this? I asked earlier, I said, where's the beautiful places? And some of you are like, it's the beach. It looks like water and, and warmth. Other people are, what, what does beauty look like? And it's like, well, it's like mountains and lakes and cold. And you know what's so wonderful that in how God has made us, that there's a part where there's a beauty that our heart is drawn toward. And to say, God, would you help me to know beauty in my home? Because how many know God made us a beautiful world? And why did he do that? Because he knew that this beautiful world would help us live beautiful lives. And part of it is saying, okay, God, as I begin in my, in my home, Spirit of God, would you help me know and experience your beauty? Help me bring it, bring it out. Help me, help me as, and not just me, but, but families. Because it's in those places that the flourishing begins to take place. And I'm convinced God wants our lives to flourish. And so as we get ready to begin, as we get ready to sing, may we just simply bow our heads and invite the Spirit of God to do something in us and in our homes. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us and that, Lord, you came. You came to make that was broken whole. Lord, that which, that which is chaotic through sin to bring beauty and grace. And God, for our homes. Lord, we want our homes to reflect your presence. Because ultimately, Lord, our, our beautiful world is a reflection of our beautiful God. And God, we're asking that you would help our homes reflect your beauty as well. Lord, I know that this is an area that, that God, sometimes we just, we feel so overwhelmed and we feel, um, we may be embarrassed or ashamed. Yet God, you have come that we might have life and life to the full. And so Lord, would you help us? Would you help grow us? Lord, not just for us, but for our children, for our grandchildren. 
for our friends. So, Lord, we look to you. Spirit of God, we invite you in our homes to make something beautiful and good. Thank you, Lord, for your work in us and the power that's at work within us that you might work through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand together.